New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. Hello, I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Today I'm hosting Linda Carroll, and she's the author of Love Cycles, The Five Essential Stages of Lasting Love. Linda, welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Well, thank you, Justine. I'm so glad to be here. I know that you've been exploring couples and learning how to love well together in relationships. So let's talk about some of the cycles that you've discovered that relationships go through. Okay, uh, before I do, I just want to say something about cycles. Everything is in cycles. You know, the ocean waves and the seasons and our experiences with work, professions, the violin. So why wouldn't love have cycles to it? And I wrote the book partly because I was so tired of so much of our understanding about relationships coming from just two cycles, when it was wonderful and when it was terrible, and that somehow those were the two options, that we go through so many different changes. Long-term relationships have tough winters, warm springs, sweet summers, sort of, you know, disappointing falls, and that's what occurs over and over again. So I wanted to normalize what happens in a long-term connection. We start by falling in love in our culture, most of us, not everybody. I call that the merge number one. And the merge is when we see all the best of the other person and we think that we've found our other half. The second stage, doubt and denial, sometimes called the power struggle, is when we realize that not everything fits. It isn't all as wonderful as we thought. And in fact, some of the things we fell in love with begin to annoy us. We find the ways that we're different, and we begin what I call the number one argument between couples, which is the you're not me argument. You don't see things the way I see them. You don't, you don't experience people. You don't like the people I like or love the things I like. And how come? What's wrong with you? So the power struggle begins, and that power struggle goes on for a long time, sometimes through the whole relationship. And if we stay too connected to the power struggle, and especially if we forget to nourish those things that keep love alive, we fall hard into the third stage, disillusionment, disenchantment. And that's where we have our arms crossed and we are turned away and we are looking for evidence that just in the first stage, the merge, we looked for the reasons that it was perfect. In the third stage, disillusionment, we look for reasons that it's not We look for evidence to support this is absolutely the wrong person. Everything is wrong. There can be some painful hard moves during these stages that actually do a lot of damage, more than just going through the stages. But we get to a point where we want to get out of the disillusionment because it's so painful. Stage four decision. What am I going to do? Stay, go, stay and try to find a way to be kind, maybe to move to parallel lives, but give up intimacy or learn how to love wholeheartedly. Stage five, wholehearted loving. And I think that we're here to learn how to love. 
I believe that. And sometimes we're with somebody for a short time, sometimes for with them for a long time. But one of the ways my book is different, Justine, is that I think we can learn to love even when we're letting someone go, even when we've had our heart broken. I think that can be some of the greatest teachings in terms of becoming wholehearted ourselves. We don't arrive at wholehearted, but once we learn it, and I think we learn it in relationship, then everything in our life changes. And we can fall in love with our partner again. We can fall out of love. We can fall into anger. But we come back to the wholehearted place because that's our standing ground. So what I hear you saying is that these stages, they're not necessarily always sequential. or And they can repeat. Over and over. And they're a spiral. They, go, they are a spiral. So we go round and round them. But hopefully we're not round and round in a rut, so to speak, but we're we're making some progress yeah. in in understanding. Well, yes, and when we stand on the ground of the merge, we don't want to see any of this because any sign that it's not wonderful is scary. When we stand on the ground of disillusionment, we're not going to look for evidence that it's going right. We can't catch our partner doing something right. But when we stand on the ground of wholehearted, when we've been there, we have the skills. And even though we may lose it on Tuesday morning, we can bring those skills back on Wednesday afternoon. When we're in that merge, what are the questions we can ask ourselves when the love potion is fully running in our bodies and we're not seeing anything but just the loveliness of our partner? What can we ask ourselves, how do I know this is the right person for me, or this is a good person for me, or this might be a relationship that may be long-term? Well, this isn't a particularly popular answer, but it's one I really believe, is we don't trust our feelings. We look at the information about that person. How do they live their life? I may fall in love with somebody who is so self-centered, there's no room for anyone else in their life, but the feelings may be huge. So it's not about the feelings. It's about who is this person away from me? How do they deal with disappointment? How have they dealt with the past relationships of their lives or people who have let them down? What's the relationship like with their family? So are you saying like when they're telling the story of a past relationship, you're going to listen listen carefully? Very carefully. Uh, How did that relationship end? Did they blame that other person? Is everything everyone else's fault? Or do they take responsibility? Do they wish that person goodwill? Do they not wish them goodwill? Because there is where the information is going to be, not in what you feel or not in anything you ask them. Because in this day and age, everyone knows the right answers to, do you believe that love is work? Of course. Would you be willing to learn these things? Of course. Will you read relationship books? Oh, yes. Let's do it together. Everyone says that. You just have to pick up any kind of magazine on an airplane and you learn that. But who is the person in their character? How do they deal with their life away from you, apart from you? So what is their history? Yeah, what is their history? What is their generosity in terms of how they are with other people? You know, generosity is the most important quality that the research shows for a good, healthy, long-term relationship. So how generous is this person, not with you, but how generous are they with their nephew, who they only see once a year? Do they still make some effort with their coworker? Right who's asking them to step in for something. That's where the information is. The feelings are tricky. You know, I can remember with Michael early on, 
when we were in that first stage, that merge stage, and we would drive up to the gold country, to the Sierra, and and he just loved going up there, and it was really quite wonderful, and I would just follow his lead. But after a while, I thought, you know, this is kind of boring. (laughs) I don't really like driving up there. I don't enjoy it quite the way he does. That's that, I guess, that second stage. And I have to pat myself on the back because what I did is that I started to negotiate with him. I say, okay, if we're going to drive up to the Gull Country for the weekend, here's what I need. I need for us to stop at an antique store. And if you're willing to have that as part of our trip, then I'm willing to go. What a great way to deal with how that that's differentiation, which is... I'm not you, you're not me, where we form a circle together, that's what we share. But out of that circle, I want to be in an antique store, not in the gold country. You want to be in the gold country. That's a great story, Justine. That's why you were with him for 40 years. So, Linda, at some point in the relationship, I know you have something to say about this, there'll be a point where your partner becomes your mirror. And when that happens... They may not be reflecting what is always pretty about us. Oh, that's why we need to be really brave to be able to and have and have done enough work on ourselves that we have a healthy enough sense of self that we can hear complaints. We can look in the mirror and the parts that we don't like to see and be able to acknowledge, yes, I was selfish. That was not fair. Can I tell you a quick story? Oh, please. Um, I have this very, very private self. And my husband will share anything with anybody. And one day on a New Year's Day, we had done this really fun collage about our year. And we were just with each other. And I went off to do something the next day. And a friend came. And when I came back, he was showing my collage to the friend because he thought it was beautiful. I felt absolutely betrayed, and I was so flooded when I walked in and saw him showing it that I said, I cannot, in front of the friend, I am so angry. I can't believe you would do this. This is mine. How could you have showed it? And you said that in front of the friend? I I was totally, I was pretty unconscious. I just went into reactivity. This was early in our relationship. And I don't know what came over him, but he stepped towards me and he said, honey, I am so sorry. I absolutely spaced out the way you feel different than I do. I'm so sorry. I had no right to do that. I was so proud of it, but that's not a reason. I understand why you're mad. What do you think happened to the mad? It totally disappeared. Disappeared. And I then moved to him and said, it's okay. I know that I can get pretty radical on this. You know, and it was over. It was absolutely over. Now, I can't, we don't, haven't done that for 40 years, you know, where we give each other that kind of feedback and it's all over. But at that particular day, he was really in touch with being able to acknowledge it. And I was, as soon as he did, I let it go. When we aren't able to see what's in the mirror and acknowledge it, We can't ever move beyond it. We're busy defending what's in the mirror. But being able to quickly say, you know, that was insensitive. That was selfish. That wasn't what I promised. I broke my word. I apologize. When we're able to see what's in the mirror that we don't like, acknowledge it, then we can move on. Otherwise, we're spending all of our time defending. And the fallout from couples not being able to acknowledge the trouble 
that they have, not what their partner has that they have, that fallout goes on and on through the marriage, and it erodes it. It erodes the goodwill away. Oh, it certainly does. And we bring this baggage with us from our childhood or however our relationships are, and it just gets magnified in a relationship when we're one-on-one with people. And so it's like uh, these moments where there's a brief, it feels like a timeout. Yes, that's right. (laughs) That's right. Which feels so supportive. I remember one time, it was a birthday time early on in my relationship with Michael, and he had either forgotten my birthday or didn't, I think he just didn't get me a present or something like that. And I just felt so badly about that. And I remember sitting in the car with him and making this confession. We were getting ready to go into my aunt's house. And I said, Michael, I need to tell you something about myself. And it's really bad. And, you know, he's looking at me and he says, well, what is it? And I said, well, you know, I, I really felt badly when you didn't give me a present for my birthday. And that just shows what a just terrible person I am and how materialistic I am. And I just feel really badly about that. And I just needed to tell you that. And he said to me, he said, oh, no, I, I totally understand. He said, you know, in your childhood, the way your father was, he would come home from his business trips and he would you know, fill the car with groceries, and he would bring these presents. And of course you feel like that. And Linda, it just blew my socks off that he saw that. He could see this pattern in me. I mean, rather than saying, yeah, you're an ugly person, he just like said, no, I, I understand. And then I could start to see in myself these patterns that had nothing to do with the reality going on in the moment. Right. So he had such a big sense of the world, and you were able to hear that from him. He was able to hear that from you. Did he forget your birthday after that? <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, he didn't. And we, we did negotiate. <laughs> if he would go out of town or I would go out of town, we really knew what we needed to do was bring each other some little token so that when we saw each other again, it was one of our oh, little I love rituals. That. Yes. When we saw each other again, we'd, we'd just say, I'm sorry, I was gone, but here I'm back, and I thought of you, and, and he would hand something to me. And that, that felt wonderful. And also, I want to say, too, if one of us went off for a workshop, that can be very scary, don't you think, Linda? Because we know our partner's going to come back. And they're going to be changed. And we haven't left the house. We and have we haven't. And nothing big has happened. So we've always negotiated how do we even come back together. Those transitions can be very hard about when you separate and then you come back, you're not the same person. Exactly. So I think it's really important that we do establish some rituals. The rituals are so important for couples. Yes. Something for us, it was something of deep listening that we would come together in a way 
where there were no distractions and say, all right, Michael, tell me about your time. I want to really hear it. And that can be an effort when you've been home, you know, folding laundry and paying bills. And they're it's coming ir- home so and high. And they're high and saying, I've just been to the mountain. It's like, don't tell me about the mountain. I haven't even put the vacuum down the whole time you've been away. That that's such an intentional way of creating a ritual, Justine, and we need those rituals in our relationships. We need to make them intentional how to do it rather than just let it happen. Exactly, and really call on all of our knowledge and wisdom and the skills we've learned. It's an ongoing process, isn't it? Yes, it is. What we're talking about is the wisdom of how to create wholehearted love through all of these wonderful ways and roadmaps that we have available to us if we'll look. Rituals is certainly one of them. And understanding ourselves to know that when one of us goes off to a workshop and the other doesn't, one comes back at level 17 and the other is in the work-a-day world, the market world. And we're not going to just automatically meet. If we expect we are, we have trouble. But if we know we're not, then we can create some way of coming together that brings those two energies much more aligned. Linda, there's so much more that we could talk about, and I just encourage people to pick up the book and find out for yourselves some of these rituals. I want to thank you so much for being part of the New Dimensions Cafe. Well, thank you. It's been wonderful to be here, and I appreciate you liking Love Cycles so much. And I have. So I want to remind our listeners that Linda Carroll is the author of Love Cycles, The Five Essential Stages of Lasting Love. And if you want to know more about her work, you can go to her website, lindaacarroll.com. Linda A. Carroll, C-A-R-R-O-L-L.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Thank you so much for joining us on the New Dimensions Cafe, and I invite you to please join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a 1,000 hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.